Hey, my name is Zorro. I am one of your new pastors here. And I, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had this intro I want to share about how God's called me, but I'm going to push all that to the side because I, I'm, the Spirit is just moving here and I want to dive into God's Word. But before I do that, I do want to point out my wife is here and she's a real MVP. So give it to my wife, Kimberly. She's the one that really has dealt with all the emotional stuff and the logistics and blah, blah, blah. moving a family across the country is kind of hard. So thank you, Kimberly, for doing that. Um, a little housekeeping, you do, you do need to know that I am um, ADH, BCDE, whatever. So, so whatever you do, do not yell squirrel during the service because I may lose focus. Um, but I'm also glad you're here at the second service because first service was simply just a practice run for this one, right? So you're here to see what God's really going to just do um, during the service. So we're doing this series on kingdom living. Man, this, this series is really hardcore because if we can really live this out as a church, as a pathway body here, we can make a huge difference in the kingdom of heaven. But it's about this kingdom living, and it's really about God releasing us from the things of this world. This is a gift for us. All the stuff that we've been doing uh, throughout this series, it's a gift to us. It's releasing us from the bondage of this world and allowing us to refocus on what is important, and that's kingdom stuff. All this other stuff don't really matter. I know it does in the moment, and we think it's the biggest thing ever, the things that we're going through on planet Earth, but it's not. And we get to refocus on kingdom living. So let's jump right into it. I think it was awesome that Brian gave me the easiest passage and throughout this whole series to preach on. Matthew 5, 38-48. You know, the whole loving your enemies passage. Because that's easy, right? None of us struggle with that. So thank you, Pastor Brian, for that. If you have your Bibles or your phones, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38-48 today. It says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go two miles. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. And hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, e are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, I, I don't ever do this when I preach. I don't ever go back. I don't ever start the message with going back to the last verse. But that's what I'm doing here today. Because that's a crazy call that God's saying, hey, be perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let me ask you a question. Can you be perfect? No, 
But he's asking us to be perfect. What does he mean by that? I know 100% we can't be perfect because Romans 3.23 tells us we can't. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But wait, you're saying, hey, be perfect as my heavenly fathers. What do you you mean by that? Can we be perfect? And I'm going to flip my answer and say yes. We can be perfect when it comes to the pursuit of perfection. We can pursue perfection. And I love that, uh, you know, Pastor Brian was preaching a few weeks ago on that super easy topic that wasn't making anybody uncomfortable, lust, right? And, and he shares, shares some illustrations about how, you know, looking at a pretty girl or a dude, and it's not about catching and saying, hey, oh yeah, that's an attractive person. It's about what you do with that. Do you take a longer look? Well, if you do that longer look, you're not pursuing perfection. Well, when that thought comes in your mind, do you just let it go? Or do you continue to let that wonder in your mind? And at that point, you're not pursuing perfection anymore. And that doesn't change the world. That causes you to sin. We are called to pursue perfection as our heavenly father was perfect. All right? So we're going to change Vero Beach for Jesus, aren't we, as a church? That, that, that means we got to do it ourselves first, right? And this is how we're going to love everyone in our pathway, by living out this passage. And this passage is hard to live out. You know, I'm not going to be able to cover everything because there's so much in Scripture here, but we're going to try to cover as much as we can, and we'll let the Spirit lead because I have no idea what I said first service. Some people, <laughs> so I don't even know what I'm going to say this service, but God knows, all right? So let's dive right into it. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them also the other cheek. And if anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So this is the system that they lived in, right? And it was okay to live in this system. You were entitled to live in this system. So if somebody... You wanted somebody else's tooth? Take a tooth for a tooth. An eye for an eye. It was okay. Somebody wronged you, it was okay to make it right. Okay? It, it was okay to make it right. But this kingdom living is different. Jesus was calling them to say, okay, you're entitled to act like this. It is okay for an eye for an eye. But I want to teach you a different way. I don't want you to live like entitled people. And here in America... And probably even here in Vero Beach, even more, right? I mean, I look around, I'm like, wow, this is gorgeous. This must, must be a bunch of entitled people that live here. <laughs> God's asking us not to be entitled, right? But we, we, do, we are as Americans. Like when we go to a restaurant, I know I struggle with this. I know, so please don't judge me because I'm going to continue to share my heart and who I am. I struggle with this, okay? So I'm entitled, I act like, I know I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be acting like this entitled brat, but sometimes I am. So when I go to a restaurant, if the service sucks, I'm like, oh, gosh, I I sat down at this nice restaurant. I expect a certain type of service. So no tip for you, right? (laughs) At church, we act entitled. Man, we come in with some crazy expectations that are unreal sometimes. But, oh, Zora, you don't know. I give here. I serve here. I'm entitled no, you're not, dude. We have this crazy expectation for Pastor Brian. 
Hey, we expect him to give us this type of sermon, this type of leadership every single moment of his life. We're not entitled to that. You know, our example of entitlement, right? There's one person on planet Earth that walked this place that deserves to be entitled. It ain't you, it ain't me. His name was Jesus. Jesus Christ. If there was somebody that wanted to have entitlement, it was him. John says says this. Um, It says here in John 6.38, it says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is hanging out here in heaven, right? And he's entitled to stay there. He's God. But he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to come down and do the will of the Father. He comes down here not because he draws the short end of the stick or the small straw, right? He does it willingly. He leaves his entitlement to come here and to do the will of the Father. And for us as believers to go, hey, you know what? I'm entitled to do it. Seriously? If you as a Christian, Christ follower, are, are supposed to be taking the lead of him, who wasn't entitled at all? He didn't act entitled. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to come in and be born at the greatest hospital. And all the, you know, it, it, was born in a manger, dude. Yuck. Right? You'll learn too, I'm a germaphobe. Yuck. Right? Jesus comes and he was born in a manger. There was no entitlement. And then for us to act like entitled people, that doesn't jive. That does not match with who we are as believers. So that's the first thing I think we need to do is say, hey, we're entitled to act a certain way, right? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But Jesus is saying, let's not. Let's not act this way. I know it's your right, but we're going to change the world together. You're my disciples, so let's not act entitled. Then he says this. He says, don't resist the evil person. What? They're, they're being evil. So you're saying don't resist them. Don't, I want to be combative. I want to stand up for what's right. Is, shouldn't I do that? And he goes, wait a minute. Dude, when you're combative, how many people come to Christ in that? When you're combative towards that person that is opposing or the opposite how many people come to Jesus because of that? Because that's not, I don't think, what leads people to repentance. In Romans 2, 4, it says this. It says kindness that leads you to repentance. He wants us to have this different life, this different being, kingdom living. It's completely different than what planet Earth tells us. It's completely different than what we've been trained to do as Americans. To live entitled lives that can impose this. God's saying, no, 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 no. It's a whole different way of living. And these are some of the hard steps we got to take so we can love people the right way. I think sometimes we want to not resist evil because we see it. And we want to stand up for what's right. But that's when I think we got to remember he's God and we're not. Right? Psalm 7 says this, God is the righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. 
So God is a righteous judge. So he, you think he's going to let those evil people get away? We may think in our human minds, oh man, they're literally getting away with murder. They're not. We may think that, but in all realities, they're not getting away with murder. They're going to answer to a holy God someday. So it's not our, we're not in the business of judging. We can resist evil, that's okay. And let God deal with it. We can be kind to others and may that lead them to repentance. Imagine a group of Christians, imagine a church where we're just known for our kindness, for our love, and that leads people to repentance. Look, I'm not saying we're also called to just stand by the wayside, right? If somebody's hurting somebody, God, you know, life is way up here in God's eyes. So we're called to stop and we're called to protect. But I think so many times it's not out of protection of life or that stuff. We just like to be in the drama. We like to add fuel to the fire. And we like to be combative in that. And God's saying, no, dude, that's the way of the world. Could you just trust me and let me be the judge and let me be God here? Can we do that today? Can we start trusting that God's going to be God and that we're called to be the peacemakers of planet Earth? Because then he calls us to do this in verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Okay? So here he, he's just expecting you to go one mile, right? These Roman soldiers, they had the right. If they wanted to say, hey, you know what? I need you to carry myself one mile. You just had to do it. Even if it was super inconvenient for you, right? I know we live in a culture uh, that we live by our phones and we live by our schedules. So it's really hard to be inconvenienced. We don't want to be inconvenienced. And here, Jesus is talking about, hey, you're going to be inconvenienced and you're okay with that. You have to carry their heavy bags and wherever these soldiers want to go, you got to go with them. But then he's saying, hey, actually, I'm not asking you to go one mile. That's, that's the law. That, that's what you need to do. I'm asking you to go the extra mile. I'm asking you to go two miles with him. Wait, what? I didn't want to go one mile, dude, but you want me to go two miles? So we're, we're called to be people that are okay with being inconvenienced. We're called to be people that are going to serve. I mean, if you're not even walking that one mile, you have issues. As believers, we're all supposed to be doing that one mile. That's just the way it is. But Jesus is asking us not to just do that one mile. He's asking us to do that second mile that nobody does. What that second mile means, it's, it's difficult because you're already being inconvenienced, right? Because I, I know most of us as Christians, we'd be like, sure, I, I'll serve you. I'll help. But let me look at my calendar. Oh, yeah, I could do it three weeks from now at 4 p.m. when everything is great in my schedule. What if you're called, what if they ask you to do it now? Oh, well, I got my son's game or I got this meeting. I got this lunch. I got, I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see all the excuses being, oh, all right, cool. Wait, yeah, we'll wait for three weeks. God's saying, hey, be inconvenienced. 
serve somebody. And then even if you're being inconvenienced and serving that person right now, on top of that, I'm asking you to be inconvenienced and then to do extra. To not only while you're serving them, to then offer, you know, how many of you helped people move before, right? And usually, yeah, I know you have a truck. Dude, it's like every weekend. But um, (laughs) most of the time you get paid by like pizza and a soda, right? Yeah, you know what's up, bro. I feel you. But what if he's saying, hey, go, go help that person move, and then don't accept the pizza and soda. You be the one that actually buys the pizza and soda. What? what? I'm helping them. Nah, we can make all the excuses on planet Earth, but God isn't calling us to be people of excuses. He's calling us to go that second mile. Because you know what that second mile does? It gets people to think, what? Who is this person? Oh, yeah, he's a Christian or she's a Christian. Oh, yeah, they go to Pathway. That's, that's kingdom living. That's completely different than what we do here. Kingdom living is completely different than what we're used to. Because I know if you're sitting here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you want to make an impact. Kingdom living makes impacts. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So this is hard, right? Because now we're talking about stuff that's near and dear to our hearts, money. We're talking about resources, right? And it could get uncomfortable. But Jesus is saying, hey, be generous here. You know, I know when you take verses out of context, you're like, oh, wait, you want me to give to everybody? So that means even that deadbeat cousin of mine who's on drugs, who's on crack, you want me to continue to help their uh, habits? No, he's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, feed into that. But what he's saying is, can you check yourself? Like, can you check yourself? And really, are you really a person that has a generous heart? Or are you holding on to everything so tightly, so close to you where you don't have any freedom? You don't have any areas in your life where you can release your resources to, to others. Whether it be time or money or whatever it is. Jesus is calling us to live differently. He's calling us to have a generosity that matches nobody else on planet earth. Bigger than Oprah. I mean, he's calling us to have a different type of generosity. Do you? Are you known as a person that's just straight generous? Or are you not? When people have a need, they feel comfortable just coming to you. Because that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking us to be people that are generous, that people can come to, and they have a need. And that's our opportunity to respond and be Christ here on earth. Are you willing to have a generous heart? Are you willing to release the things on this earth that don't belong to us anyways? We just get to be stewards. We get to be managers of it. But at the end of the day, it belongs to God anyways. So can you release that? Can you release that to him and to others? You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
that ye may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends out rain to the righteous unrighteous and the unrighteous. See, kingdom living is completely different, right, than what we're expected to. He's calling us here to love your enemies. Really? God, you want me to love my enemies? I'm struggling to not hurt them. Like, I'm struggling not to do bad things. I'm struggling not to slash their tires or put them on blast on social media. Like, that's a win for me, dude. Like, for me not to get arrested, that's a win. But God's saying, no, dude. No. Like, I just assume you're not going to get arrested and beat somebody. Like, Jesus is making that assumption when it comes to our enemies that we're not going to do that. But he's saying to love them. Does he really mean... God, no, I, I get it, you, but you don't know my situation. You're not really calling me to love the person that stabbed me in the back. You're not really calling me to love the person that's gossiped about me. You're not really calling me to love that person who's just hurt me, that's, that's caused all kinds of damage in my life. No, you want me to love every enemy but th- that person or that people group. No, nah, man, I look at this and it don't say that. It says enemy. This is a person that opposes you. He's calling us to love them. To love them. You know, that whole loving your enemies thing isn't just about the enemy. God in his provision, God in his grace, put this here to help you and I. Because what happens when we don't love our enemies? We become destructive. We become destructed and we become destructive, right? And I felt some of this. My dad, you know, he grew up in the killing fields. If you know what that is, in the mid-70s, Pol Pot kind of wanted to come and destroy Cambodia. He ended up killing about 2.2 million people, okay? Genocide, 2.2 million people, which is about a quarter of the population at the time. So imagine a quarter of the population of America, of the United States, that's about 82 million people. So imagine if somebody evil came and wiped out 82 million Americans. Think about it, 9-11, right? That was 5,000. Imagine 82 million Americans gone, okay? So yeah, my dad hated somebody. He had an enemy, Pol Pot. But do you think... That enemy, do you think my dad's hatred towards him or bitterness, do you think that affected Pol Pot in any way? You don't know who my dad is. But you know who it did affect? His family, his relationships, his relationship with my mom, himself, and it caused abuse in our household growing up. Thank God that we've reconciled and things are Things are good now, right? But that not loving your enemy thing was actually destructive, right? On a side note, so that I'll share my story someday, I bet. But I was born at a refugee camp in Cambodia. So you guys can be the cool church now. You guys hired a refugee from Cambodia, right? You guys have a refugee pastor. That's pretty, that gives you some clout in the community, right? Come on now. But here's the deal, man. It really is. 
Because God doesn't call us to just love our enemies. He calls us to pray for those who persecute you. So the people that are actually hurting you right now are making your life miserable. He's calling us to pray for them. Why do you think? Okay, so if you are constantly praying for somebody that's hurting you, okay, once in a while, maybe a miracle, and God can change that person's heart, right? But you know what happens when you pray for your enemy, pray for those who are persecuting you 100% of the time? You change. I change. It is very hard to hate somebody that you are making a conscious effort to allow into your intimate space with God. So, you know, when you're, I don't know where your space is, if it's in the car or some prayer closet or in your office or wherever it is, wherever you are spending your most intimate moments with Jesus, in those moments you allow your enemy and those who persecute you enter that room with you, that space with you because you're praying for them, dude, that changes your heart. That changes your heart. That reminds you that they are also made in God's image. That their souls actually matter more than your circumstance with them. That's hardcore. Because what happens on planet Earth is we lose our focus when we hate people, when we have an enemy, right? So uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife doesn't even remember this when I shared it with her. We had a date night. And our date night was going to Ross, right? <laughs> yes. I may be bougie, but I'm a little hood too, so I shop at Ross, okay? So that's our day. We're, we're headed to Ross, right? And we're driving, like, out of our street, and there's a cat in the middle of the road. So I'm like, ooh, I, how many of you love cats here? Ew, what, I, Brian, I'm out, bro. There's too many cat people. Cats are dumb. I don't care if I, I know I probably offended most of you. So I see a cat in the middle of the road, and I'm not going to kill it, okay? I'm not an evil person. I don't want you calling PETA, PETA on me, whatever that thing is. So, but I see the cat. So I'm like, I'm going to scare it. I got my truck. I, so I drive up to it, right, with my lights on, and the cat doesn't even look at me. I'm like, oh, it's a special cat, right? I'm, I'm like, this cat, it doesn't even look at me. And my lights are on, and I'm like, I got a big old truck. And I see it. Because it's looking at another cat. Yeah, uh-huh. I think, I think they're like boxing. They're like enemies. So you know what my truck could have done? And I'm not saying I wasn't going to do this. Okay, disclaimer, I was not going to touch it or hurt it. But I could have ran it over, right? It could have ended its not, one of its nine lives, right? Maybe it was on seven. So I had another couple. But here's the deal. Sometimes we have an enemy and we are so focused on that enemy, we lose track to the things that matter around us. And we could get hurt. And God's saying, hey, dude, this isn't about the enemy sometimes. It's about you and I. It's about you and me. Not forgetting what our actual mission on earth is. It isn't to hate the enemy. It's to love them so we can change the world for the sake of the gospel. But sometimes we focus on another cat. Seriously? A cat? Nobody focuses on cats. <laughs> yeah, they make you sneeze. Come on. <laughs> and they're just dumb, too. They just sit there, dude, all day long. Come on, dude. Come on, cat lovers. But that's us sometimes. We focus on the wrong things. 
And God's calling us not to focus on that. We don't have to focus on that because we can focus on the real mission, and that's loving others. So that we may be children of your Father in heaven. Because we want to be known like our Father, right, in heaven. Because kids act like their parents. I'm sorry to tell you that, because especially if your kid's a freaking brat, like, dude, my bad. That's on you. You know what I mean? Just kidding. Just kidding. I know there's some issues. But usually, usually actions are caught, not taught. So they see. But anyways, so we want to be known as our Father in heaven, like our Father in heaven. We want to be known like Jesus. People could tell who your daddy is by the way you act. He could tell what your focus is by the way you act. Right? So I have a son named Silas. I might say this free, freely now because my other kids aren't in this service right now. He's my favorite son. He's my, he really is. I got, I got four kids. And we love them all the same. We do. But, dude, you know you have a favorite, dude. You know if you're a dad, you, there's a, yes, I'll just say it. I don't care. There's a one that you want to hang out with the most. And that's Silas. That's my dog, dude. That's my boy. He's in sixth grade. And it's because we're just alike. Me and him, so the other three are like my wife, so they're perfect, okay? He is not. He is like me. I mean, he, does, he has my mannerisms even. Like, I sneeze freakishly sometimes seven times. He sneezes seven times in a row too. You know, he, he's sweet and kind like I am. I mean, he frustrates the frank out of my wife sometimes like I do. I mean, we are just alike. There's no doubt he's my son based on just who he is. I even asked my mom, I go, Mom, what's your, uh, my four kids, who's like me? She goes, Silas, Silas like you, right? In her broken English, right? She tells me that. And I'm like, okay, so I got to pray for him the most, right? <laughs> but don't you want to be known and go, oh, yeah, that person, he's like who he claims his father in heaven is. He's like that Jesus guy. He lives like him. He's known for the way he loves his enemies. He's known for the way he, he prays for those he, that persecute him. He, he's known, she's known for walking that extra mile when they don't even have to. I asked them to help me out, and they came, and they helped me out, and then they even brought me a goodie bag. And they said they were the last people to leave. And they just kept serving and serving. Dude, we want to change the world? We want to love everybody in our pathway? This is how we do it. We're just different. We're just different people. We're not the way that we could act as entitled people of this world, the way people act. Like if you are willing to help somebody, that's great. But we are called to be different. We're called to go above and beyond. Isn't that the type of person we want to be known for, about? We want to be known. We want to be known to this community for people that are like Jesus. We want to be known for people that are just completely different. That's who we want to be. All right, let's continue. I got three minutes. We'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. Because the interruptible, right? Right, Asbury? I, I feel you. I'm going to follow you guys. How tough was that for me to follow this, like, the biggest revival in, like, social media history, right? Yeah, cool. Thanks for putting me on stage after that. Um, <laughs> 
Look, if you, if you love those who love you, what reward would you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your own people, what are you doing more than the, than the pagans? The pagans do that. So here's a couple assumptions Jesus is making here, dude. That scares me when I read this. He's saying, you that follow me, like these people that don't follow me, they're doing this, so I assume you're doing this. So I assume that people here at Pathway, when they leave here and go to lunch, I assume they didn't leave without feeling the love of Christ. Because Jesus is assuming that we already do that within us, within our own church family here at Pathway, that we are already loving each other. And we're loving each other well. That's where it starts. we got to do that here, okay? So he's assuming that, that we're doing that here. And then he goes, but you guys aren't these little people that live in this little Christian bubble, right? You guys live outside your Christian bubble because you're going to go love others. And then we, we start justifying stuff and say, oh, wait, we love others. Da, da, da. And he goes, oh, you mean like the tax collector, right? You guys, you guys seen Chosen? Bro, you guys awake? You guys seen Chosen? Yeah, okay, go, go. Okay, so remember when Matthew, the tax collector, gets called, right? And he's in his little booth. And there's that, like, awkward moment where everybody go, looks like, you're, you're calling him? Nobody liked him. Nobody liked the tax collector. Everybody hated him, really. If you saw him, that meant that he was going to rob you. And Jesus saying, hey, that person that's, like, casted out in society that nobody likes they're doing that. So if you hear, if we're here at Pathway saying, oh yeah, we love like the, the world. So we're loving like the, the person that everybody hates. Because they even do that. We're called to love differently. That's crazy. That God's calling us to love differently. To act differently. Because imagine if we had that kingdom mindset. That kingdom living. Imagine if we weren't so focused on the things of this planet. Because last time I checked, I mean, sometimes I don't even know the country I'm a citizen of because I was born here. But last time I checked, I know one thing. I'm not a citizen of this planet. That's not where my citizenship lies. I want to act like that. I want to act like that. I want to act like my citizenship is in heaven where it matters the most. Because if that happens, if I believe that, then I remember this is all temporary and this is all just to help people get into that citizenship with me. Let's finish with this last passage. And, and the call, he says this, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly... So, okay, are you going to give me an example, God, uh, how to be perfect? What does that mean? What does that look like? And he does. He says this in Matthew 20. He says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He invites us. You want to know this pursuit of perfection, what that may look like here on planet Earth? Start here. Start with how Jesus led us, how Jesus was the example. Just to simply serve. Serve others. Put others above yourself. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of them becoming closer to Jesus, 
because you're willing to serve them. Are you willing to do that? That's the model. That's the model of perfection is to serve. That's the model. You know, standing up here, Pastor Brian, the lead pastor, he's just the lead servant. That's the model he's setting. He is our lead servant. You and I, we're to be servants and to serve others. That's how we're going to be perfect. That's how we're going to pursue perfection is by our pursuit of service to others, not out of obligation, but out of the love that's in us through Jesus Christ. Hey, we do some next step questions. I get the hint. Let's go, let's go to those questions. Uh, hey, are we going to live like entitled people? Or said, will we be willing to give up our rights just like Jesus did for the sake of the gospel? Are we? Hey, who's the enemy? Who's the enemy right now in your life? Who's the one that you need to pray for so you can be released and so you can see the Holy Spirit move in that situation? Who is it? Who's that enemy? I want you to be released. I want to be released. And I want to see the Holy Spirit move in that situation. I don't know what that looks like in your life and my life, but I want to see the Holy Spirit move. That's the one thing that I've taken away from this service earlier served some pathway churches that the Holy Spirit just hangs out here and hovers and lives in this place with us people. And because that, he's going to convict our hearts. Lastly, are you perfectly pursuing perfection? Do you desire to be like the Father in heaven and to love everyone in your pathway? Are you doing that? Hey, something we're going to do before uh, we continue worship, I invite Brian up here for uh, a prophetic word that we had earlier this morning. Uh, can you give Pastor Zorro a hand? Um, <clears throat> the amount of times he said dude and bro <laughs> did not outpace the number of times he said Jesus. Did you catch it? He loves Jesus deeply, and we are so encouraged and excited to have you and your family a part of the team. Amen? Um, earlier in the service, uh, there was somebody that did have uh, what they believed was a prophetic word from the Lord that was confirmed by two people, uh, and then the third confirmation would have been uh, Pastor Zorro, in fact, uh, saying, hey, we need to, to share this. So I'm going to do this uh, very briefly. It was very simple. It was that there are some of us, maybe one even, that you've been waiting for God to free you from something. And the word today is God is ready, but he's waiting on you to lay it down. Liberty is available if you'll lay it down. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for a word that only could have came from you. God, we know that as we've heard from your word and even heard what we believe is a word from you directly, maybe for one or more, that God, this next time as we respond to you is so vital. We just pray that uh, whether we're in our seat, whether we come forward, whether we are prayed for or just cry out to you, that Holy Spirit, you would have your way in this time. We thank you and praise you for the liberty that comes 
when we lay it down at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna turn it over to the team. You can stand, let's respond to him. It would be just like the enemy for